Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. I am your host, Rob Watson. And we always promise you a really sensational show, and this is definitely one where we are going to deliver on that promise. Um, One of the great things about doing this podcast is we get to talk to a real diverse set of incredibly talented people. And today we are going into the musical world, and uh, we are talking to a really sincerely creative artist who has dropped um, an album, uh, I think just a month or so ago, and uh, it is an album of 13 songs. They are rousing, they are thought-provoking, they are um, gender-affirming, they are uh, anti-abuse, they are consciousness-raising, and they are incredibly wonderful to listen to and we are fortunate enough that we are going to be playing one of those songs probably one of the most um, consciousness raising of the songs on the album uh, called Torn America which I think most of us just at the outset can relate to. Um, The artist is the band Tripping Jupiter and uh, the face of Tripping Jupiter and, and the person we are going to talk to today is Matt Stone Rowan. Um, Matt Stone is a vocalist, keyboardist, songwriter, um, was born in New York and um, is based in New York City currently. Um, their, their talent is vast. It's visual. It's auditory. Um, it's, to quote them, two parts groove, one part empowerment, plus a split sprit of glitz and glamour, um, and glitter. Um, so uh, Matt Stone is waiting in the wings, and we will go to them very shortly. Uh, but first, I want to call on uh, our co-host and the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine, Brody Levesque. Brody's got some of the top stories and hot news stories of the day. Brody, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob, and I can't believe that this is a top story, but believe it or not, it is. Six Republican members of the North Dakota State Legislature introduced a bill yesterday that's going to send a clear message to non-human identified students, you're not wanted in a rough fighter state. Uh, This is just incredible. Uh, My colleague at NBC News, uh, Brooks Opisla, uh, covered this for NBC Out. Uh, one of my reporters is currently working on the same story. The two-page bill, which is primarily a measure seeking to prohibit schools in North Dakota from accommodating transgender use, also includes another subsection, which is aimed at a different, quite frankly, theoretical category of students. Reading I from think, the bill. I think the word... I think the word you are looking for is fictitious, but go ahead. (laughs) From the language of the bill, 
a board of a school district, public or private, or a teacher in a public or private school may not adopt a policy establishing or providing a place, facility, school program, or accommodation that caters to any student's perception of being any animal species other than human. I kid you not. And this is on the heels of just before the November election. We saw the QAnon and, quite frankly, off their rocker Republican conservative types spreading an urban myth about students who identified as quote-unquote furries and teachers were putting, and I kid you not, cat litter boxes in the classrooms. This was spreading primarily in the flyover states or the great swath of red conservatism from Texas all the way up to North Dakota in the middle of the country. It seems to me that in addition to growing corn, they grow idiots, and they're all Republican. And now they're passing bills to say you can't have litter boxes in your classroom, and if you identify as a non-human, too bad for you. And I seriously can't believe I'm even reporting on something like this, but it's a real thing. Now, why is it important? Now, it's very important because just this week, the Arkansas State Senate advanced Senate Bill 43. This is an anti-LGBTQ bill that will restrict drag performances. The bill will classify drag performances as, quote, adult-oriented businesses and ban them from taking place on public property or any location where children and minor teenagers, adolescents are present. The bill, which passed the Senate on a 29-6 party-line vote, is now over in the Arkansas House. But like the infomercials say, but wait, there's more. Let's go to Missouri. Missouri, right now currently, has eight related anti-LGBTQ-related bills on its agenda. This past week, lawmakers were considering legislation to keep trans girls out of girls' sports. And in addition to that, one of the bills attacked, wait for it, drag shows in which the language of the bill seems to imply that drag means you're going to turn kids, wait for it, into transgender individuals, okay? We've seen a narrative, and it continues. We've seen a similar bill in the state of Arizona. Uh, a bill was uh, transmitted uh, for consideration in the state house there in Arizona at the beginning of the legislative session earlier this month that also targets drag performances, and again, blaming the sexualization and, quote, grooming of children, okay, on drag performers. We have seen in the last 18 months no less than over 274 attacks on drag shows all over the United States and several in my homeland of Canada. I want to point out one in particular that took place uh, in North Bay, Ontario, which is a small-sized township that's about roughly an hour north of Toronto, a couple hours north of Toronto, which is where I grew up. The LGBT center there was going to put on a drag show. And again, this was to benefit the kids in the center. Um, this particularly onerous anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ person who calls herself the libs of TikTok. She's got a massive following on Twitter. 
and she has been spearheading efforts to attack the drag community, caught wind of this show, put it out on her Twitter account, and the poor center in Ontario was just inundated. I had some conversations with the RCMP, uh, and to you Americans, that's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which is our national police force, and inspectors with the RCMP told me that the vast majority of the hatred coming through the emails and some of the online posts, they were able to trace back the IP addresses, should be no shock, a vast majority of them were either in the Pacific Northwest of the United States or down towards Florida and Georgia, and a great deal of those identify themselves as members of the Proud Boys. So right. what so, we're seeing Brody, uh, is a pile. Yeah, I've got a couple. Go uh, yeah, I've got a couple questions within this pylon. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, the the North Dakota law is so absurd and based on complete fiction. Um, you know, with the to your point, it was a QAnon conspiracy um, that furries. Um, kind of the the furry playfulness was taking place in the classroom, and that children were were going to be asking for the right to um, relieve themselves in kitty boxes. Um, yeah. It sounds so absurd, especially I mean, for whatever reason, what comes to mind for me is a scene from the old movie Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, where um, Santa Claus is playing with Natalie Woods and trying as she was a child at the time and having her imitate animals. And it's like this legislation sounds like it is legislating against that kind of child play, which is just absolutely absurd. But I have a a question about the danger um, on these drag show laws. Uh, One, it's an absolute affront to the art of drag, period. But what does this do for transgender and non-binary individuals who are in front of kids, who are doing a job, who are a librarian? How is that, can that be construed as a quote-unquote drag show under these laws? You're starting to walk into the legal area that's got uh, the National Center for Lesbian Rights and our dear friend Shannon Minter and his staff can serve. Um, Chase Strangio, who I haven't spoken to, but uh, Chase has been doing some tweeting. Chase is the head of the American Civil Liberties Union National in uh, New York. Uh, he runs the Lesbian and Gay uh, Project, and he has been combating these bills and a few others. And Chase has basically indicated that that is a very valid fear. Um, Los Angeles Blade columnist and consultant Brent Tannehill uh, has also raised that issue in several columns that she's written for me. Uh, it, it's a valid concern. It's This is more than just targeting. This now becomes into an area of erasure. And if you are presenting or performing, um, essentially in, you know, either a mixed gender or a cross gender uh, way as in either a drag performance uh, or in this case, we actually have a couple of trans individuals uh, in Utah who actually perform drag. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hyper drag, if you will. And they recently have gotten death threats and have had to cancel shows. And matter of fact, Brynn is actually working with one of them now uh, who runs a drag uh, out of several venues uh, in the greater Salt Lake City area. Uh, it is serious. And, yes, the answer to your question is 
some of these laws could be misapplied that way. And that's what's got the ACLU, Lambda Legal, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, you know, greatly concerned. This goes beyond, um, you know, the First Amendment issues naturally to go with it and uh, the 14th Amendment. What we're walking into uh, is actually way worse than that. And the problem here is that by defining drag as, you know, adult-oriented business, you know, you can go all sorts of different ways that would make that highly inappropriate. Theoretically, if these laws were to pass and not be challenged or people haven't challenged them fast enough, there is a case to be made, okay, that uh, the drag shows themselves, such as RuPaul's Drag Race, would find themselves running, you know, afoul of, you know, these state laws and the streaming services and or channels that carry those drag shows could theoretically be forced to take them off the air uh, in those areas where these state laws exist. These laws are no joke. This is a full-on concerted effort um, to erase the transgender community, the non-binary community, and to use, you know, they're using drag as the fulcrum point. Uh, we've seen, like I said, incident after incident after incident of violent uh, reaction to drag shows virtually everywhere. Um, and anybody that does not dress within their gender and, and throws a drag performance down some areas, you know, you're just looking for problems because you're going to have the Proud Boys show up, as they did in the Utah instance last week. And Utah being an open carry state, uh, they showed up armed to the peaks. Now, imagine if you're a parent and you've got your little five, six, you know, year old children or maybe your elementary age kids and you're just going, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a family safe performance and that's all it is. And you and your kids have to run a gauntlet of a bunch of white guys with beards and belly guts and scarves and masks carrying, you know, automatic rifles. I mean, it's bad enough with the school shootings. Let's just enhance the fear in the little kids by having these morons show up outside of these drag performances. So that's a long-winded answer to your question, but, yes, it, it's very – the potential is there for that kind of abuse of the law. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing, and it's a big fight that I think we all have to get behind because this is terrorism. This is codified terrorism, and that and and you know that's that is really the bottom line, um, and and we need to um, we need to stand up to it. And obviously, it's being done for very political you know manipulative reasons, um, but we we need to shut it down. Um, it is it is terrorism, and and it is playing into the fascist playbook that is trying to dumb down democracy. Um, it's all part of the same plan. Um, and they're using old tropes. I mean, the, you know, save, save the children from the LGBTQs is, is yeah. very old school. You know, they, they, they used it on gay people before. You know, it's like they used it in the 80s, um, and they're using it again. Um, and uh, anyway, our work is cut out for us. So what else is going mm. on with the blade? Well, just um, which I, I in direct relation to what this is um, for the first time ever, um, 
I had to put out an editor's letter on both Facebook uh, and on the Los Angeles plate itself, and it's real short, so I'll read it to you. Over the past several months, there has been a marked increased frequency of unacceptable comments and hate-filled diatribes appearing on various Los Angeles plate Facebook pages, posts, and the Twitter feed. These have included transphobic bigotry, homophobic remarks, and ad hominem attacks on other commentators and the staff of this newspaper. Bear in mind that this is an LGBTQ-owned and staff publication whose primary purpose is to serve the greater LGBTQ community with news reporting from highly qualified journalists and media partners, along with human and community interest stories to enrich the lives of our readers. The Blades commenting policy is simple. Keep it civil and focused with the understanding that attacking others will not be tolerated, particularly with any form of hate-filled rhetoric or messaging. The staff of the Los Angeles Blade has been deleting and will continue to delete comments that violate this policy. Abuse of the policy on a reoccurring basis will necessitate blocking and reporting a person making those types of comments. The sad truth, Rob, is that we're probably going to have to take the added step and in consultation uh, with our parent company, um, the Washington Blade, and with its owners, um, along with our publisher. I actually have advocated to shut down comments completely on our Facebook page, which will hurt our engagement. But it's gotten so bad that there's no point in keeping it up. When I took over as editor of the newspaper three years ago, one of the very first things I did was kill the comments on the site. Uh, So now all that nonsense and trolling has moved over to the Facebook page. I can't control the Twitter page, but I can at least shut down the comments on the Facebook page. And quite frankly, I'm being forced to do this. And it all is very much in line with, you know, the subject matter you and I just discussed. Um, And and it's unfortunate, but this is where we're at. Um, And this is truly and sadly, you know, the state of affairs, um, you know, for the United States. The last thing I'd like to mention, White House, uh, the Blade White House correspondent, uh, Chris Kane, did an interview this week with former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Uh, who is now just a simple member of Congress representing San Francisco. But her career uh, thus far has been amazing and incredible. Uh, Chris has an incredible interview with uh, the former speaker. So I would encourage all of you to go to LosAngelesBlade.com. And in the features section, uh, Nancy Pelosi reflects on her long career and LGBTQ advocacy. And that is it for me. Great. So also when you're there, um, one thing that's happened since our last show is um, on MTV, the Real Friends of West Hollywood debuted, and the reaction was not pretty. Um, So you can catch my article recapping um, what happened there um, and the reaction that uh, the community had towards that show, Um, and that is also on the blade. Um, right now, I want to go to our um, special guest, um, Madstone Rowan. And again, um, Madstone is the face behind the group Tripping Jupiter. Madstone, welcome to the show. Uh, good to be here. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. Um, I, just, I want. I want to start. Go ahead. Sure. 
I'm, I'm driving in New York City, and I, I just had gotten pulled over for making a, a left turn I shouldn't have made. So just trying uh-huh. to collect myself. Listen, the officer was very nice, and, and if it had gone on longer, uh, I would have asked her if she wanted to comment on the show, but she just gave me the ticket <laughs> and went away. So we missed out. We missed out. <laughs> that, that would be a unique happening that I have to say – in the years we've been doing the show, it has never happened before. So, um, anyway, well, lost opportunity. Yeah. So I, I want to take a quote um, from you um, that kind of speaks to what we've just been talking about. And uh, this, is, this is something you said. Quote, the recent attacks on drag have hit me on a personal level. I have friends who are amazing drag queens. They have brought me so much love and beauty to this world. Their presence should be celebrated, not vilified. And every time you hear an angry man put down drag, I think this is someone who secretly wishes they could put on some lipstick and fishnets and go take a walk on the wild side. Um, with that quote and what we were just talking about, although you were probably dealing with law enforcement at the time, um, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts about this persecution that is happening around the country? Oh, I love it. Well, luckily in New York, they're not persecuting drag, um, at least not law enforcement or the courts. But, you know, I feel like I feel like we're in the upside down. It's 2023. Right. I mean, think about what that means. We thought this is the future. When we were little, we were like, oh, the 2020s, we'll all have jetpacks and life will be wonderful. (laughs) And here we are having arguments about things that we thought were settled decades ago. And I think about the very strong LG, you know, I'm from New York, grew up on Long Island and, you know, between Long Island and New York city and on Long Island, we have Cherry Grove. And if you look at the history of Cherry Grove, you know, um, there's an excellent documentary called Cherry Grove Stories uh, produced and directed by Michael Fisher, who's a friend of mine, who actually was the executive producer on one of our videos, We Are Starlight. Um, and Cherry Grove Stories shows how, like, Cherry Grove was raided by the police. Uh, there was, you know, because it's part of, like, a, another township on Long Island, on a regular basis in the, like, 1960s and 1970s. It's like 50 years ago, but we went through all that, right? Like as a, as a community, everybody, you know, moved beyond and forward. And the fact that we're having these discussions now, it just feels surreal. And it also lets me know this is just one massive distraction from the fact that instead of legislating, and coming up with solutions to the real problems we have in our economy or, you know, with our planet uh, or what's going on with war and all those issues, we're getting the culture wars at the state level. And, um, I mean, that's just a big macro piece of it. I'm sorry to just meander with this, but it just, it's kind of, it's just so frustrating to be here at this place in this year, you know, yeah, totally. No, what what you're saying reminds me of the, the fact that I don't know if you're familiar with it or even remember it, but there was a, a movie years ago called Zardos, 
and starred um, Sean Connery. And he was traipsing around in this little bikini outfit with um, kind of armor or uh, um, artillery strapped to his chest. And that movie set way, way in the future was set in the year 2023. So that's... Ah. That's where we were supposed to come at this, at this point in time. But your well, I mean, work, maybe, maybe it's good that we – I was going to say maybe it's good that we don't have Sean Connery in a bikini, though. So I mean, it's, it's up to you. Some people might like the idea. So. <laughs> no, actually, I, I'm all for Sean Connery in a bikini. That was, <laughs> he, he, it, was, it was actually intriguing. Um, but you have – your work has confronted – um, these issues on deep emotional levels, artistic levels, um, creative levels, you know, pretty much from, from all the different angles. Um, your, your song Lipstick by, of the Brave, was, which was animated, has won awards for the film itself, um, is a really personal portrait of someone allowing themselves into exploring themselves on this level. Um, what, tell us, give us a little history about um, the creation of that, that piece. Yeah, and it piggybacks on, on, on part of what we were just talking about as well. So I was that weird little teenager who would listen to music in my room on a Friday because I, I didn't have anywhere to go, and I would um, – you know, put on makeup. I would put on lipstick and I would dance around my room. And at the time I was into like music that was still before my time. It was like the glam rock of the seventies and eighties or whatever that, you know, so it was beyond that. But, um, for me, I remember artists like David Bowie and I would listen to the lyrics and see the way they looked and thought, well, it's okay to be weird. So that's why I paid homage to people from that, that era, like David Bowie and Lou Reed in this song, uh, because, you know, that was my story of like, I thought there was something weird about me, but I also, I didn't want to not do it, you know, but there were no, there was no outlet to connect with other people at that point. So, you know, when I, uh, the funny story about how that song was written, I have a, a producer, Barb Morrison, and Barb is a wonderfully talented, um, I'm still negotiating the streets of Manhattan, uh, <laughs> a wonderfully talented producer. They've produced, they're a they, them. Barb is a not wildly talented, beautiful, amazing human. Um, challenged me one night. Uh, we were having a, a mentor session, and I said, I have this brilliant idea. I want to open up my set of original music with science fiction double feature by Rocky Horror, right? And Barb's response was no. I said, what do you mean no? I'm, I want to do that song. It, it epitomizes a lot of what I'm trying to put out here. And they said, you're going to write your own science fiction double feature. And that's how Lipstick of the Brave happened, because... I really thought about, like, what did Richard O'Brien think about when he wrote that song? He thought mm-hmm. about the things he grew up with that influenced him, which was all those science fiction and horror movies, right, from the bygone eras. And what influenced me was the artists who pushed gender boundaries. And I thought, 
well, that's what I need to write about then. And that's where Lipstick is the Brave came from. And it, you know, to me, it's just a personal little song. I didn't think it would resonate the way it did, but I'm so glad that other people are being inspired by it as well. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. It's sensitive, and it definitely speaks to, to all of us that have those moments of, you know, we're different, we're not the same, we're not fitting in, and the ways that we want to express it. Um, I guess one of the things about that song that really stood out to me was the fact that you specifically call out David Bowie in the song. Because for me, and I don't know if this is, uh, you know, with, hopefully you'll take this as a, a wonderful compliment, but there are songs that you do, that you've done, that I swear to God sound like David Bowie incarnate. It's like, it sounds like you are totally channeling Bowie. Um, and so it's like, obviously, Bowie's an influence. Um, was it just the gender-bending nature of Bowie, but your voice resonates with Bowie as well? I think, you know, what drew me to Bowie was that weirdness factor, you know, and, and that was the ability to be who he was and not care. I mean, listen, in the early 70s, he had lyrics, um, you got your mother in a world, she don't know if you're a boy or a girl. And that, you know, I'm like, you're, he's thinking about stuff that they didn't even have a name for back then. And so that drew me to it. Also the music, I mean, he's just phenomenally talented. So you're right, David Bowie is definitely an influence on my music, but also I think more so an influence on my approach to art, which is honor yourself, speak your truth, you know, and, and there's something about being authentic, and I believe that this project, you know, that's, it's me being authentic that will let people know that this is worth listening to. And, and, you know, don't try to think, like, what's the next big thing that people want to hear? Just honor that, and that's what I've done. Um, but I, I like the compliment. I believe, I believe my muse is definitely connected with Zoe out there in the ether somewhere. So I'm not going to fight yeah, that. No. When, those songs, when those songs come to me, I just write them and I don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's it's um for for anybody who loves Bowie and and misses new Bowie material, um I really feel like you could still still that desire from them. I mean, especially uh Torn America, just it it I just hear Bowie so much in your voice um in in that in that particular piece, which by the way, we do have uh, queued up if you're okay with that. I'd love to play that song in its entirety. Sure. Would that, that sounds wonderful. Okay. All right. Um, let's go ahead and do that now since we're on the subject. Um, this is, uh, do you want to, um, do you want to set us up a little bit about the song and, and what you were thinking and then we'll play it? Yeah. My process with the song was, uh, I just started writing this chord progression and out poured this the first words to the chorus. I wasn't thinking like, let me write this about something. Out came the words torn America. And I just stopped playing for a minute and thought, well, there's a lot to write about here because what I'm seeing around the country and in our communities today is this 
ripping of the fabric of that which connects us. And, you know, I get people have different political views on different issues. You know, do you think health care should be free? And I do. And, and maybe this person doesn't. And that that has always been okay. But what's been happening lately with racism, with the anti-LGBTQ plus movement, um, violence and laws, uh, with income inequality and, and all of those things, I just sat there and I said, well, all these problems really to me are connected in a way. And that's what the song's about, really. Um, the idea that we're in a, a situation that we have to pay attention to these fissures, to these breaks, to these tears, uh, because it's not just a difference of opinion on a policy. It's, it's us becoming more disconnected from each other. So I, I hope at the end it comes through that I do believe we will come out the other side better. That's my hope. Well, I'm a hopeful person. Yeah, I, I, I total, totally agree. And I have to say the resonance of the song, anybody who is at least conscious in the country today should, should relate. I mean, because we absolutely are, are living in a torn America. Um, so, folks, um, here we go. We're going to play um, Torn America by Tripping Jupiter.
And that was Torn America by Tripping Jupiter. Fantastic. Um, and I should point out that if you watch the video of that, which is very moving, um, the there's a strong representation of drag queens at the end of that video. Um, how did the production of that come about? I knew this was a video that I didn't have to be in. So I worked with um, a really great young creative force, this uh, young man named Aiden Cahill, who had done another video for me, and he did the um, all the archived footage, you know, for the, the this is all footage from the I wanted, <laughs> excuse me, stuff from the past protests of the past few years, so that it was relevant. And uh, one of the decisions I made. Because uh, somebody suggested, well, what you know, when you do the when you show things about climate, why don't you put Greta Thunberg in there? And you know, she's wonderful. But I said I don't want this to be about celebrity activists. Nothing against any mm-hmm. of them, but I want this to be about common people whose voices were raised up. Um, and you know, the drag queens at the end. Well, that's the hopeful part. This last verse, you know, and where I I say the. Um, the pearls will rise up in the sun. And I think we're like pearls, you know, just a bunch of sand, but we get beaten down by all the forces around us, but we come out these beautiful little things that sparkle. And when I think of that, I thought of, you know, of drag queens and, and what a bright light, like they shine on, um, on our culture and our society and, and when I think of hope, I just, you know, their determination uh, and, and brightness and, and sense of humor, because anyone who's not familiar with uh, the drag culture, you know, maybe needs to pay attention to it more that there's such a great, you need a sense of humor to get through all this craziness that we're in. And so that, that really was the impetus for it. Uh, yeah, it's it's very moving, and it to your point, it's not a position taking song. It's not advocating for one thing or another. I mean, it, you can ab- absolutely take the inspiration away from that to advocate, but it is it is really more pointing to the environment itself, and and so uh, super super effective. Which a lot of your work is gives you that, I mean, gives you a lot of pieces that you as the listener can then take back and take your own inspiration from and and move forward. Um, A lot of your songs, uh, especially on the new album, deal with identity. Um, Rockstar um, alludes to being um, non-binary. Rhythm Falls is, you know, all I ever am. You know, it's um, you know, it's it's that self-awareness and self-expression. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about those songs and and what what your point of view was in in developing them? Yeah, uh, some of my songs, "Rhythm Falls" included, which is the first track, and that's my debut record. So, like, hopefully, it's all uh, it's <laughs> hopefully it gets a little easier. We made that in the middle of the pandemic, all remotely. So that was um, that was not an easy task, but it was a, it was very therapeutic. Rhythm Falls 
really was based loosely on a dream, on some dreams that I had had. And, um, but as far as the identity piece, I see my identity as ever evolving. And I'm not a person who likes to be stuck into little boxes. Society tends to want to do that. Um, you know, one of the great things about LGBTQ+, when some people, I'm seeing a lot of talk online where there's, there's some interesting back and forth about what the definition of queer means and what, why is it so important to be inclusive? Because if the labels that we've had up till now worked, we'd be fine right now, but we're obviously not. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I think my art, uh, it's therapy for me. So I, I'm coming to terms with, you know, who am I at this? And I think a lot of people had these thoughts for two years. Mostly we were shut down and cut off from doing the things and seeing the people we loved in, in the ways we used to. So you had a lot of time to think. Um, I did and out came these songs. Uh, the non-binary thing in the song Rockstar was really about, uh, you know, really need to push past. I, I'm not telling people how to think, but I think when we push past the societal expectations of gender, um, there's a certain sense of liberation that it can bring anyone regardless of how they identify. And that's kind of my plea to people who don't understand it is that just like racial equality and liberation will lift everyone, regardless of whether you're black or brown, um, identity and queer liberation will lift everyone. And so that was my hope. And ask people to question, you know, are you thoroughly sure if you're a woman or a man or how you see right. yourself? You know? And so really that's what it's about. But kudos for getting that because I have to tell you, I didn't think at all when I was writing it. It's when I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, that's what I was going through then. It was kind of interesting. <laughs> that, you know. Well, that's what it's for, too. I mean, that, that is what artistic expression is, is that, you know, you don't necessarily – in fact, the best art is probably driven out of an unknowing of exactly what you're giving birth to. Um, but I, I totally get behind, you know, where what your philosophy is – the thing that I've always talked about is the fact that, you know, we're created from what is essentially a recipe winning the lottery. I mean, you have an egg which has, was lucky enough to have one set of DNA, DNA recipe and about a million variations of different DNA recipes trying to hook up with that. The two come together. They become this so, such a unique pattern in the person that no other person on earth of 8 billion people has that same recipe to be who they are when they come out. And just one evidence of it is no two of those people that are created have more than have an identical fingerprint. And yet we take that individual and we try to shove them into one of two genders or one of two you know, or one of a couple of sexual orientations or whatever. And it's like, it makes no sense. The, the, the... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought you had paused. I feel like uh, 
first of all, you're, I thank you because you're giving me ideas for, for another song to write now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll give you credit. And so the other piece is we are so unique and that's beautiful. And the other piece is, which is almost kind of the opposite is that, but we're also very similar. So the mm-hmm. similarity comes from, and this is what blows my mind, and this is kind of behind the song We Are Starlight that I, that I have on the record, which is every one of us contains atoms that were in stars that supernovaed billions of years ago. Like that iron that's in our blood comes from those stars and without it, we couldn't bring oxygen to all our heart, in our heart, our muscles, and our brain. We wouldn't be alive. So there is something very unique about each of us, and I think that's, that's our beauty. But also what's very moving is we are all part of something much bigger, and that's why these little tiny boxes people try to push everyone into, um, it's just so silly because – you know, we all bleed the same, and uh, it's, you know, we, people need to really, I, I, that's part of my mission, like getting people to hear that and, and to feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, that that is another theme that, that comes through in a lot of your work is that kind of both cosmic energy and cosmic connection, um, you know, un- otherworldly um, to the point that um, your song, Time Don't Stop, Actually, you know, you actually depict, it's kind of done in a fun way, but you depict, like, uh, you know, out of this world energy, of alien energy, and, and that connection. Um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts about that going beyond just, you know, this, this human-limited, earthbound experience? Well, just so you know, they prefer to be called extraterrestrials. Um, ah, okay. so, but, uh, yeah, well, somehow, somehow alien became a bad word. And, uh, but uh, I talk to them, I talk to them and I don't, I don't know that they hear me, but I, I hope they do because we need something. We need some sort of intervention, but, um, you know, really, I mean, the idea that thinks that we're alone in it, I mean, there's, there's a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. That's massive. I, I, just like if somebody gave me a million dollars today, I think, oh, my gosh, I'm rich. That's amazing. Um, so it's hard to understand the difference between a million and a billion. But a million seconds is 11 days and a billion seconds is like 32 years. So 100 billion stars, that's a lot of stars. And then you find out there's two trillion galaxies. So... Yeah, we're not alone. Um, and I think that, you know, that song, that those words just came out of me. And I remember when I wrote them, I thought, well, is this going to stay in? Because I don't know what people are going to make of this. And I was like, you know, screw it. It's in the song. It's staying. Um, but I think it's interesting. I think people are kind of – there are people that have the sense that something's happening in a positive way, that there's some kind of awakening happening. Despite all this pushback that people are getting, I think there's, there's something happening as far as people kind of waking up and feeling that they are a part of something bigger. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I mean, I, I also am fascinated with a, a lot of those concepts. I mean, the, the elements that created, you know, our physical world here, you know, it was obviously a rare occurrence. However, to your point, when you multiply that out over billions and billions and billions, there's, there's going to be a percentage out there that are going to have a similar experience to what we have. And they're finding kind of exoplanets all the time um, that have that kind of potential. And we've only scratched the, the mere surface of what, we, you know, there's so much we can't even see. So I, I always am mystified by people who act like that's just not even a possibility. It's like, why wouldn't it be? Um, so, yeah, and, and, and obviously on the spiritual realm, why would, why would, you know, if we can have spiritual connection with people here that aren't in our physical presence, why would that exclude other beings that are, you know, on another, other locations in the, in the galaxy, to your point? Um, I want to pivot a little bit because we're, we don't have much time, and I do want to ask you about this, is that you take up um, standing for the, and for lack of a better term, feminism and the oppression of women in several of the pieces that you've done, um, one of which I found incredibly beautiful. I love um, the Queen of uh, Bella Fontaine. Uh, the even though the subject matter there is sexual abuse and 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 that type of thing, I just thought the the composition itself was really moving to me. Um, but you also about in women, you talk about oppression. Um, what is what inspired that and the you know the abuse um, uh, narrative that you, that you talk about and the woman's experience? I think. So uh, I'm, uh, I have a history of working as an advocate with survivors of intimate partner abuse and sexual violence and child abuse, um, and also human trafficking. So that's work that I had done and have done for years. Uh, and I, you know, it just came into my music. I, I there was no way I could keep that out. And I think um, in the song Women, and thank you so much for really listening to the album. I mean, it's such a treat that, and, and, and an honor that you took the time with it. Um, but uh, th- these themes of like, you know, I, I don't know what it's like. Everyone's got intersectional privilege and oppression in varying degrees. Mm-hmm. But there are some experiences just that I'll, I'll never have. Like, and... <laughs> I don't get catcalled when I walk down the street and uh, what's it like to be on your way to work and just trying to focus on your life and, and to be frightened and terrorized by that kind of thing Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. There's a site called Hollaback and um, women talk about fighting, well, and allies talk about fighting street harassment. And there are girls like who are nine and 10 who posted experiences of being victims of street harassment. So I wanted to put that in a song. Um, the Queen of Belfontaine, I didn't even think that was going to make it onto the album because it's an eight-and-a-half-minute acoustic song. But, <laughs> you know, it's this woman, Kelly, and I just started writing it, and I kept writing because I wanted to know where her story went. 
they needed to know what happened to her. It takes place after the pandemic, seven years from now. And uh, she's a survivor of partner abuse, domestic violence in a relationship. She's being sexually harassed by her boss. There's a lot that makes her feel not great, but she still has hope. And I think in the victims and survivors that I worked with, the one thing that always amazed me was that despite how terrible their situations may have been, that there was always a hope that things could be better. And that, that work, you know, seeing, that, seeing people move through that just inspired me profoundly. So it, it definitely deserved a place in my music. Yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was very poignant, and to your point, it's like, you know, I listened to it, and you're right, it's like I'm listening to it from somebody learning as opposed to somebody who's relating to from through my own experience um, with that. Because, you know, I'm seriously the guy that gets on the elevator and, you know, another a woman steps in, and I'm feeling very guilty and, you know, trying to be as non-threatening because I'm so aware of, what she has had to deal with on a daily basis, or my assumption of what what she has had to deal with, um, uh, Master. And I want to uh, pivot a little bit on the you know, the logistics. Where do people get the album, and um, where do they find out more about you? And are are you doing any touring? And and um, are there any shows that people can come see you? We are putting the live show together as we speak. Big rehearsal tomorrow night. Um, so it, I will, uh, I'll definitely drop you a line when we hit the road. I'd uh, love to go to the West Coast and play for the beautiful people out there. Also, we need a little sunshine in our lives, so I have to get out there, I bet. Uh, although I heard you've had some rain. But that's beside the point. Yeah, I was, I was uh, saying, you, you probably will I get heard. sunshine, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, did, I thought it rained like once every six months in L.A., but whatever's Apple whose lives have been affected. But, um, you know, uh so the name of the band is Tripping Jupiter. This is the shameless self-promotion portion of the show. Uh, Tripping Jupiter, our music, our debut record is called Lipstick of the Brave. It's 13 amazingly crazy songs. You can stream it anywhere you stream your favorite music. So it's on Spotify and Apple and Amazon, and, and it's on um, Bandcamp and all those others. Uh, it's, it's on YouTube. Five of the songs have videos that are on YouTube. Um, we have a website that's in the process of being updated, trippingjupiter.com, and I'm on Twitter. Not always a good thing. Sometimes I doom scroll at 3 a.m. And um, <laughs> but I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and TikTok. But the Twitter and Instagram are at trippingjupiter. And I would love to have some more friends from different places to interact with to amplify the message and let me know. What do you think of the music? Give me some input here, you know. Um, let's make a community. I'd love to connect with other artists, musical or otherwise, who are kind of on the same wavelength. You know, let's make this a movement. Let's let's shake things up a little bit. Uh, I, I totally agree. I, I love the, the last two points. Let's make it a movement and let's shake things up. Um, well, thank you for joining us today. You're awesome. The work is awesome. Everybody go listen to the album. Watch the videos. Just let yourself be moved. Just kind of soak it in. Let it provoke your thoughts, your feelings, your identity, because um, it will touch you on all those different levels. Um, 
Uh, Maxon, thank you for dealing with law enforcement and finding your way onto the show today. But more importantly, thank you for uh, being who you are and expressing yourself so uh, gloriously. Um, it is it is really really a treat. Um, I want to thank Brody Levesque for his work on the LA Blade and for his work on this show. Um, you can read the LA Blade at LABlade.com. Or I'm sorry, it's Los Angeles Blade. Um, you can Google me on that site and because um, I write there regularly and read all of my stuff as well. So there, there was my shameless self-promotion. Um, as for those of us that rated LGBT radio, we will be back again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, same great caliber of guests. I have no idea who they will be, but they will be great. So for all of us, until next time, have a great week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 